I was kicking off a brand new series today, but before we get into that, I ran across a story some time ago about a husband, a wife, and a mother-in-law. Come on, turn to somebody and say, God bless. Come on, God bless the mother-in-law. Amen. So the husband and wife had this thing where they were like, man, they really wanted to go and visit the Holy Land, kind of a lifelong dream of theirs. And so they finally get this opportunity. They go to the Holy Land, and they're enjoying themselves. Mother-in-law kind of came. She kind of invited herself. And they're having a great time. And unfortunately, while they're there, the mother-in-law passed away. So the husband and the wife, they're distraught. They go to the embassy. They go to the consulate. And with the help of the undertaker, they they try to figure out a way on what to do with mama-in-law. And so the undertaker says, look, guys, hey, for $5,000, we can send her back home with you guys. Or look, for $150, you can bury her right here in the Holy Land. And so it didn't take the guy long at all. He was like, no, nah, that's okay, man. We're going we're gonna to send her back home. The undertaker was a little confused by this. And so he was like, man, I, I don't really get this. Uh, you know, you're going to spend $5,000 to send her home when you can spend $150 and put her here. You guys can come visit anytime you want. She's right here in the Holy Land. Man, you must really, really love your mother-in-law. The guy said, well, not so much. He said, here's the thing, man. 2,000 years ago, a man died right here. He was buried right here. And three days later, he rose again. And brother, I just can't take the chance. Come on, somebody. Come on, look at somebody and say, he ain't right. Amen, he ain't right. Guys, we're kicking off a brand new series today called Epilogue. One minute after you die and... I know that some of you right now, you're like, man, Pastor, oh, no. Man, that's such a dark and gloomy subject. It's Easter. I've brought my peeps with me. We're hanging out. And you're going to talk about death. And listen, trust me, I get it. I do. You know, we don't like to think about death. Well, let's talk about it. But I'm curious about something. How many of you have ever stopped to think about what happens one minute after you die? Like, what takes place in that moment? Let's just say one second after you die. What happens in that moment? I mean, is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Is, I mean, is this all there is? What happens one minute after you die? And the truth is this, guys. You don't really die. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. These, these bodies that we have at some point in time will cease to exist. But the real you... Your soul, which is what makes you who you are, will live eternally somewhere. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 11 says, He, and I love the phrase there, He, notice the capital letter, He, that's talking about God. He has planted what? Eternity in the human heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 53 says, For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will what? Never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. So again, you understand the real you, the person that makes you who you are, your soul, that will live in eternity somewhere. And the reason for that is because we have an eternal God. We got a a God that lives forever. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. I love the wording here. God says, hey, don't be afraid. Turn to somebody and say, fear not. 
fear not. See, a lot of times when we talk about, you know, death and what's next and all of that, there, there tends to be associated with that this, this fear. But God's saying, hey, don't be afraid. Fear not. And you know that phrase, fear not, is actually in the Bible 365 times. Now, let me ask you this. How many days are there in a year? Come on, 365. So it's almost as if God knew every single day we would need to be reminded, fear not. Why? He goes on. He says, I am the first and the last. You understand this whole thing started with God, and it's going to be God that brings it to completion. But here's what I love, verse 18 I am the living one, I died, look, I am alive, come on, let's say that word together, forever, come on, say it like it's Easter and you mean it, baby, amen, I am alive forever, turn to somebody and say forever, so Father, we thank you for these moments that you've given us, the moments to be here, to open up your word and have it to speak into our hearts today, Lord, God, we just praise you, we thank you. Because, Lord, we know that today you are alive. And because you're alive, God, we also are alive. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You know, I begin to think about, you know, forever. And I don't know about you, but for me, I started kind of making a list. A list of things that I wish could last forever. Come on, I started thinking about vacation. Come on, somebody. How many of you wish your vacation could last forever? Those moments where you're sitting on the beach, toes in the sand, come on, watching the waves crash. Or maybe you're like me, you're more of a mountain person, just sitting around a fire pit, got a little fish or something laid on the grill, come on. How many of you wish your vacations could last forever? I begin to think about my kids and, you know, I wish my kids would stay young forever. And all the parents in the house said Amen. I, you know, I put up a picture here for you to see right here. This is all of my kids when they were young. We were fishing. We were hanging out, having a good time. See, this moment right here is embedded in my mind because this moment right here is before you get all the smacks and the shaking the head and slinging the weave. And come on, is anybody, any parents in here can identify with me right there? Come on, somebody. Amen. So I wish my kids would stay young forever. Come on. Not only that, but I've gotten to think about savings account. Come on. How many of you wish your savings account could last forever? And for all the fellows in the house, you know, if you're like me, I thought about this. How many of you wish football season would last forever? But not only that, I also made a list of things that, quite frankly, I'm glad did not last forever. And I thought about hairstyles. Come on, somebody, give it up for the 80s. Amen? How many of you are glad hairstyles did not last forever? I am convinced that in the 80s, that's when they came out with the big sexy hairspray. Come on, somebody. Amen? So anyway, I'm glad hairstyles did not last forever. What about clothes? Come on, I'm glad clothes does not last forever. What about sermons? I better not hear anybody say anything right there sermons. I'm glad they don't last forever. We have a philosophy around here that says, blessed are the short-winded for they shall preach again. Come on, somebody. Amen. Forever. And I 
begin to think about the disciples and, and the time that they were with Jesus and how they lived with Jesus and walked with Jesus. And the one thing that really stuck out to me is that the disciples really struggled understanding forever. They had such a now mentality. I mean, Jesus would talk about the kingdom and speak about what was to come. And the only thing they were thinking about was the here and now. They were thinking, well, Jesus is going to come to the earth. He's going to topple the Roman government. He's going to set up his kingdom. And he's going to give all of us positions of authority. They were all about themselves, all about the now. You know, last week we celebrated Palm Sunday. That's when Jesus came into Jerusalem, the triumphal entry that would set in motion, if you will, the events that lead us up to where we are today. And they're waving palm branches and they're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, here comes our King. And I can imagine in that moment that the disciples, they're, they're filled with excitement because they're thinking, man, now is our moment. Like Jesus is going to set up his kingdom and it's going to be great. And a few days later they find themselves in the upper room having what is called the, the final supper if you will. And then after that every hope those disciples had was hanging on the cross. Every dream those disciples carried was eventually buried in a tomb. And can I just say this to you today? If Jesus is not risen from the dead, then every church is just a tomb to a dead God. And really all today is is just a memorial service as to what was. But if Jesus is alive, come on, and how many of you know He is, then everything He said is true. Everything that He did is for real. It authenticates the gospel that you and I read today. And it's important that you grab hold of that because we're living in a society that quite frankly doesn't believe in the resurrection. Even though there are eyewitness accounts that Jesus had a bodily resurrection. You read about all of that in the Gospels. But the one piece of evidence that I think for me is most convincing is centered around a guy by the name of James. And if you know anything about James, he actually wrote one of the books in the New Testament. But not only that, he was actually the brother of Jesus himself. And it's interesting because you don't read anything about James until after the resurrection. While he's growing up with Jesus, I mean, think about it. Can you imagine being a sibling of Jesus? Can you imagine your parents constantly looking at you talking about, why can't you be more like Jesus? Why can't you pray like Jesus? Why can't you fast like Jesus? Why can't you be a carpenter like Jesus? Can you imagine what it was like living under that? And so here's James, and James is like, man, you got to be kidding me. He can't be the Son of God. I grew up with him. But when you fast forward to the book of Acts and you read how the church began to explode on the scene, you see James rising up as one of the key leaders in the church. And I begin to think about this. Let me ask you a question. If you don't believe in the resurrection, what would it take to convince you that your brother was the son of God? Come on, he'd have to rise from the dead. Amen. Are you with me today? It took the resurrection, Jesus overcoming death, hell, and the grave to get the disciples to think in terms of forever. And so I began again to think about that word and think about how can we apply that to our lives? How can we apply it to where we are today? What does it mean for us, this word forever? I want to give you just three kind of takeaway truths today for you. Here's the first one. If you're taking notes, write this down. 
Here's what you need to really grab hold of and understand today. That is number one, you are forever loved. You are forever loved. You know, oftentimes in our culture, I, I, I wonder if we really understand what love is. Because so many people today, they're desperate for love. They're hungry for this God unconditional love, if you will. And a lot of people today, they're in a relationship, but their relationship is based on what you can do for me. So, hey, I'll love you as long as you do this. I'll love you as long as you do that. If you can be this for me and that for me. And it's all centered around conditions. But there is a love that will change your life forever. And that love only comes from God. Listen to me today. If you've ever wondered your value, if you've ever wondered about your worth, you need to look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the greatest expression of how God feels about you. And for some of you watching online right now, maybe you're in a situation and you're like, man, I don't know. I just don't, I don't feel loved. I, if you only know what I've done. Have you ever said that to yourself before? If you've only known what I've done, if you only know where I've been, I don't deserve this kind of love. This love is not for me. But hear me today. The kind of love I'm talking about is not based on you. It's based on him. God blesses us not because we're good, but because He's good. You understand, Jesus came to us as a gift. And all we have to do is just accept Him into our hearts and into our lives. Listen, God looked down from heaven and saw us in all of our sin, all of our mess-ups, all of our mistakes. And He didn't just write a check from a distance. He came up close and personal and sent His own Son, Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verse 14 said he became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. Come on, how many of you are glad that Jesus moved in to our neighborhood today? That is God's best stepping into our worst. And guys, I got to be honest, that is the message of Easter. It's Jesus came to show us a forever kind of love. And it's interesting because people search high and low looking for this kind of love. And let Jesus himself came from the highest of highs to the lowest of lows to show us a forever love. Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 3 says, Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, notice the word in here, with an everlasting forever love. Jesus says that. And hear me today. Our heart for you is just simply this. When you pulled up into the parking lot, when you came into this building, when you clicked online, man, my heart is that you have sensed the love of God in your life. A love with no strings attached. A love that have no expiration date on it. It's just a love that only comes from God himself. Turn to somebody and say forever love. Forever love. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus died on a Friday. And can I tell you something? Friday was dark. Saturday was silent. But Sunday changed everything. And some of you in here today, you are living in the darkness of a Friday. And the devil wants to keep you in that darkness. It's almost as if darkness has surrounded you. And you're living in darkness in your life, in your marriage, in your home, with your kids. And darkness is all around you. And the devil wants to keep you in the darkness of a Friday. Maybe some of you are in the silence of a Saturday. 
and you're praying and you're like, I don't know, do I even matter to God? Does God even see me? Does God even know me? Does anybody even know that I'm here? I mean, Pastor, I don't know, man. I pray, but I don't hear anything. I don't feel anything. I don't sense anything. And hear me today. The enemy wants to keep you in the darkness of a Friday or the silence of a Saturday. But hear me today. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross and rose the third day to bring you into the hope of a Sunday, you are forever loved today. Don't let anybody look at you and put you down and you feel like you're walking around just feeling less than, feeling like you're not loved and nobody cares about me. Listen, you're the reason he got up this morning. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't keep him because love lifted him. And in the midst of that love, you can have hope in the midst of despair. You can have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. You can have gladness in the midst of sorrow. Why? Because you are forever loved today. Turn to somebody and say forever. But not only that, the second thing I believe forever really tells us is this. And that is that forever determines how you live today. Forever determines how you live today. See, if you spend your life walking around feeling like you're an accident, feeling like there's no God, feeling like there's no eternity, there's no forever, then you understand you're just going to live a selfish life. You're going to live a life that just is all about the here and now. And quite frankly, it's, it's hard to wrap our minds around forever. It's hard to really grasp that and understand that. It, it almost has to be a shift in your mindset. And the Apostle Paul talks a lot about that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. Paul says, I once thought these things were valuable. What's he talking about? He's talking about all of his accomplishments, all of the accolades, all of the things that he's done, and being a Rome, you know, a citizen of Rome, and, and all of this stuff. He says, But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, he says, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, he says, I have discarded everything else. I love the wording here. Counting it all as garbage so I could gain Christ. You know what Paul's saying here? Paul's saying, yeah, I'm educated. I've got the credentials. I've done this and I've done that. He says, but man, here's the thing. None of that stuff matters. There's nothing compared with loving Jesus and being loved by him. You see, Paul understood something that all of us really need to come to grips with. And that is that one day we're going to stand before God. And everything we did here is either going to bring reward or regret there. Come on, are you with me today? So when you understand that, when you understand the moment I stand before God, it's reward or regret. When you come to that place, then you start thinking a little bit differently. You start thinking with the finish line in sight. You start thinking, man, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I've got this pulling me, this pulling me. Is all of this really worth me investing my one and only life in? Is it really worth that? Because then you're going to multiply all of that time times the whole time you're on earth. And now you're standing before God. And you're wanting to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Listen, are you going to stand before God and regret the car you drove? 
Are you going to stand and regret the clothes you're wearing? Are you going to regret? Listen, are you going to stand before God and just say, I am so thankful I binged watched 10,000 hours of Netflix yesterday. Are you going to say that? Or are you going to regret that? I want you to imagine with me, if you will, this rope. And I know the rope just kind of stops there. But I want you to imagine this rope is your forever life. This rope goes on forever and ever and ever. This is eternity. This is your forever life. This right here is your life here on earth. Right here. Isn't it amazing how so many times we get so caught up in these moments right here. That we forget all about forever. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, listen to me. I'm tired of living my life so focused on this. And here's where most of us are today, right? I mean, we're, we're so focused, like, I can't wait till I get to this moment in my life, and I'm going to graduate, and it's going to be great, and I'm going to graduate college, and it's going to be great. And when I get right here, man, I'm really going to live my life. I'm going to retire. I'm going to travel. And Paul would say, are you really kidding me? You're focused on this little bit of your life when there's eternity sitting right in front of you? And that's what we do, right? We're so focused on this. So if this is the case and eternity is in view, why am I worried about being comfortable here? Why am I worried about looking so pretty and good here? Ain't nothing wrong with cleaning up. Why am I worried about all of this right here when this is in view? So you understand today that forever determines how you live. And people will come to you and say, man, are you crazy? I mean, man, you can do this, you can do that, you can have this, you can have that. And, and, and man, I'm smart and you're dumb. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? You're just focused on this little section of your life and I'm focused on this and I'm the dumb one? Come on now. So where are you at today? Because when you start thinking about forever, then it determines how you live your life. But here's the third thing that I want to get you. And it's really similar to the second one. And that is this. How you live today determines where you spend forever. How you live your life today determines where you spend forever. And guys, let me just say this to you. Give me three weeks. For those of you online, give me three weeks. Over the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about the reality of heaven. We're going to be talking about the reality of hell. And we're also going to be talking about the end time events and different things that are happening. Over the next three weeks, give me one hour. Just give me one hour. Because whether we know it or not, there is going to come a day. And I know it's hard to believe. But there's going to come a day where we're going to be right here at the end of our life. And we're standing before God in that moment. And you understand one choice that you make here can make all the difference here. One choice. And man, I don't know. I just kind of, I just feel in my heart today that so many people, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're here. And I kind of feel like this, this is where you are. This is all you're focused on is, is this this. This moment right here. And God's saying, man, if you only knew. If you only knew what awaited you. Let me ask you a question. 
How many of you guys in here remember your mother's name? Come on. How many of you guys in here remember your grandmother's name? What about your great-grandmother? Fewer hands. What about your great-great-grandmother? One of you. That's the only person doing the little tree thing. Amen? But anyway. I can't really remember my great-great-grandmother, but I do remember my great-grandmother. Her name was Maggie Mills. They called her Big Mama, and I could never understand that because she wasn't no bigger than this rope right here. But that was her name. And I remember Maggie lived with my grandmother, who was Marilee Hicks. And I would get off the school bus, and, and I would always go to grandmother's house because that's where, that's where I went every day. And I walked into Grandma's house, and my great-grandmother, Big Mama, would be in one of two places. She'd be at the piano playing the old hymnals. That's what she did. She walked to church and played the piano. That was her thing. Played it her whole life. And she would be playing songs like the old rugged cross. She'd be playing songs like, I'll fly away one day. And man, that stuff just kind of gets in you. So she would be by the piano or... She would be in the kitchen with a skillet with a big old tub of Crisco frying chicken. How many of you hungry right now? Come on, ain't no extra virgin olive oil up in that house, amen? Crisco, come on. You don't even have to worry about washing your hands. Just dig it in there, grab you some, and throw it in the pan. Come on, is anybody feeling me right? Online is shouting right now. They're shouting you down in here. She'd be in one or two places. She wasn't really focused on this. See, she made a decision somewhere in this point of her life to focus on this. Because she made a decision, my grandmother, Marilee Hicks, made a decision to not focus on this, but to focus on that. My great-grandmother made a decision. My grandmother made a decision. My mother, who was here at the 9 o'clock service, made a decision to not focus on this, but to focus on this. So watch this. Watch the, watch the generations. Great-grandmama. Grandmama. Mama. Allie. I've made a decision to focus on this. Watch the progression. Great-grandmother, grandmother, mother, Alan, all four of my kids have made a decision for this and not this. Do you understand where I'm going with this? One decision in your life could change everything. Not just for you, but for generations to come. All it takes is a decision. And listen, I'm not here to manipulate. I'm not here to guilt. I'm, I'm certainly not here to do any of that. But I am here to get you to stop being so focused on this. And focus on this. Because one moment will change your life forever. Stand with me all over the house.
So where are you at today? Say, Pastor, man, I just, I just happened to show up today. Somebody invited me. And let me just say thank you for all of you that invested time and effort in bringing people and inviting people. It means the world to me that you would do that. But I'm a little, I think a little differently because I don't believe any of you are here by accident. I believe God set you up. And He brought you in here for this moment to have a visual to put in front of you of what this life is versus what eternity is. And we all make decisions in this moment. And you understand, guys, when, when you get here, and you're standing before God, there are no second chances. The moments of your life would have already been defined at that moment. So what's it going to be for you? Are you going to make a decision somewhere in here that will change the trajectory of your life forever? Not only you, but for generations to come. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for moments like this. God, thank you for speaking into our hearts today. Thank you for helping us, Lord, to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to have a mind shift. Lord, nothing wrong with enjoying this life, nothing wrong with with living it up and having a great time, but at the end of the day, God, we're, we're not consumed by this life only. May we be consumed by eternity. The Bible says it's once appointed unto man to die, and then there's the judgment. We all reach the end of the tape, so to speak. So God, speak to our hearts. Help us to hear from you. And so if you're in the house today, let's just get real just for a moment. Just you and me. Maybe you're online. Let's, let's talk, just you and I. Where are you at? As it relates to your soul, as it relates to eternity, the decisions that you're making now, where do you find yourself at? Are you focused on eternity or are you just focused on the here and now? Again, nothing wrong with enjoying this life. That's not what I'm saying. But where's your focus? Perhaps you came in here today. Perhaps you're watching online. You've clicked online. And God's speaking with your heart. He's tugging at those heartstrings. He's saying, hey man, I set you up. I brought you in here to let you know I love you. But I haven't forgotten you. I still care about you and I don't care what you've done in the past here's the thing you need to know about us guys I don't care what you've done in the past but I care about what God wants to do with you in the future and you need to have that fork in the road moment and now is your moment so if you're in here today and you mean business with God if you're watching online you mean business with God he means business with you so I want to give you an opportunity right now to say pastor I'm ready to go all in for Jesus if you're in person today, if you're in the house, if that describes you, I want you to just lift the hand. I'm not here to embarrass you. just want you to lift the hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready to go all in. Maybe you're watching online right now. 
If you mean business with God, again, He means business with you. Why don't you just put in the chat box, hey, I'm going all in right now. I'm going all in. I'm giving Him my life. I'm giving Him everything. I, in other words, you come to the place where you are resigning as the CEO of your life. You say, God, I give you everything. All I have, I put in your hands. So let's pray this prayer together. If you're watching online, let's pray it together as well. Just simply say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a Savior. Father, I believe that you died on the cross and rose the third day. So Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me, to create in me a new heart, renew in me a right spirit. Father, come live in my life. Today, I resign as CEO. And Lord, I ask you to sit on the throne of my heart. I give you my all. I'm focused on eternity. I'm focused on forever. In Jesus' name. Everybody in the house said amen.